Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest Fantasy Fix podcast, we look ahead at the RSM Classic and take a look back at the past week in golf. Welcome back to the Golf Digest Fantasy Fix podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and I'm joined, as usual, by Joel Beal. Uh, had an interesting week last week. We're actually going to start, I think, with a little bit of the PGA Tour champions. Uh, of course, Kevin Sutherland won the season finale, the Charles Schwab uh, Cup Championship. He also took home the Schwab Cup for the season-long points race, edging Bernhard Langer, who seemed to win every single week last season except for this past week. Joel, what did you make of this ending? I know there's been some quote-unquote controversy about Kevin Sutherland winning it all. Well, it's the first time we've talked about the Charles Schwab Cup, so in that sense, success there. To me, it's a pretty easy argument. This is not a player of the year contest. It's a playoff. If you're pitching it as a postseason, you're going to have these hot streaks or guys whose rest-of-season campaign does not necessarily reflect it. Uh, we see this sometimes in the FedEx Cup, although not to this heightened degree. I understand the outrage, especially when you compare that. That was Sutherland's first win, correct, of the yes. year yes. against Longer's seven-win seven win season. Three, yes. ma- three majors. Three majors. <laughs> I, I understand the outrage. However, if it really is a postseason, I'm okay with this result. I don't know. How about you? Um, I tend to agree with that. Uh, it, it's a it's a playoffs. It's a postseason. It's not always – the best team or the best player that wins. We see this in every sport. Obviously, I'm a Giants fan. I know that the, the Patriots were the better team. I was actually, I was like, I bet you he's going to work in uh, no, I 2007 mean, Look, Giants. if they played 10 times, the Patriots would have won at least eight of the 10 games. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But the Giants beat them that one game as, you know, two touchdown underdogs. It happens in the playoffs. The only thing, there's a couple things that make this a little different, and that is that Longer did win the first two playoff mm-hmm. events, and there's only three. So he won two of the three events. Um, And the other thing is that Kevin Sutherland could have won the whole thing without actually Finishing in second. That that blows my mind. Although, again, we saw a similar scenario in the FedEx Cup a few years ago. I forgot who it was, but it came down to someone had a chance to win. Was it? Was it Paul Casey last year maybe? It was someone like that who Mm -hmm. had had a bunch of high finishes. Could have still won the uh, FedEx Cup without winning the tour championship, without winning any of the playoff events. So that that's a flaw in the system. You know, if, I, I agree, though, if it is going to be some sort of postseason playoff and there's going to be a payoff at the end, the final tournament has to mean something. It can't already have been wrapped up like we saw Vijay Singh do in 2008 when he won the first couple of events of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the last two were basically meaningless when Camilo uh, Vijegas won. So, you know, on one hand, I agree. The other thing I will say, like I think we were talking about this before, the FedEx Cup gives out a $10 million bonus. So if you want to say, well, it's kind of unfair to have these four tournaments give out the biggest prize by far in terms mm-hmm. of prize money, that's that's where I'd say, well, maybe that isn't that fair. But in this case, it's a million-dollar bonus. Kevin Sutherland played the best when it when it mattered the most. Um, it, it's a playoff. It comes down to the, the finale. Uh, or, or if it's not, then it's not a true playoff. So I, I kind of agree with that. I think – some of the outrage just has to do with the equation behind it. More importantly, that people don't really know the equation, that mm. they're pitched these random things. I think if it's explained a little bit better, yeah. I think that would help a little bit. I think that's actually helped the FedEx Cup in yeah. some sense. The, the, five, the five guys going into the final having a chance mm-hmm. to control 
that makes it somewhat more easy to. And you kind of see on the. I think the European tour actually does it even a bit a little. This year or this week, excuse me, the uh, the European tour finale, the race to Dubai is coming down. Only three guys have a shot at it. Right. If you're trying to reward an entire season with a little bit of the hot streak at the end, I think that actually works well because someone like Justin Rose, really outside the Masters, didn't have yeah. that great of a yeah. year yet. He's won twice, kind of coming in. Uh, to Dubai, so he gets a little partial credit there. Yet Tommy Fleetwood, who's coming as the overwhelming favorite, his entire campaign um, gets the credit. So I think if people are looking for change, I think the European Tour is a really good model to follow. Yeah, and and maybe that does make more sense uh, for golf to do something like that, where you do count the regular season as part of the postseason. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because in these other sports, they just that's just not how it's done. That's not how it's ever been done. But maybe in golf. Um, because of you know you could have a guy miss a couple cuts and then have one big week at the end, and you try to add it all up. It doesn't make sense. Maybe in golf does that does work. You're right. I mean Fleetwood. I saw the the math right. He's a 73 percent chance of winning the whole thing. Rose 24 percent. Sergio three percent. So it's basically a two man race, and Fleetwood's got the you know huge leg up, and that's based on what he's done the whole year. But again, that's just how that's how they do it. Yeah. United States, all the team sports, everything else, it's totally separate from the regular season. So and It's just funny that I think we champion the ambiguity and madness of the NCAA tournament for basketball. It's just right. funny we don't right. reward that same type right. of sentiment in golf. Right. Uh, but, it, but, again, you look at longer season, we're still marveling at what he did. No one's going to say, well, he didn't win the Charles exactly. Schwab Cup. So right. the season's right. Exactly. And you're, it's not like he gets stripped of his – seven wins or his three majors or all the millions of dollars he made anyway he gets to keep all that he gets to win player of the year when the vote comes out so you know he didn't win a fourth straight Schwab Cup I mean, mm-hmm. we're all we'll, we'll live we'll move on and, and if he'll anything, move on too it's not that that the end of the world and if anything now granted Justin Thomas won the FedEx Cup so it was a bit of a moot point that being said the fact that someone like Xander came through that was actually another storyline that's going to help fuel more narratives for this season. So if anything, I think yeah. that the chance that more guys could possibly be in the winner's circle, I think it's a good thing. It's just, again, the, the way it transpired that this past weekend is not exactly what they were shooting for. Right. It's Golf, though, is so tough. It's never going to be clean like that. It's um, also relatively in its infancy. It's only yeah. you, know, a, you know a decade old. Right. So we're, we're still figuring out the kinks. I know it sounds sounds like it's been enough time, but these things take, take time to iron out. So eventually I think we'll get there, and I, I think we're a lot better than we were just five or six years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, but unfortunately you are going to have these these kinks come up from time it's to time. It's funny, though, you mentioned Thomas, though, because he didn't win the Tour Championship, obviously, and that snapped a streak of guys who had won the Tour mm-hmm. Championship and won it all because, if, again, if you put yourself in good position and you win that final week, you win. But everybody was happy that Thomas won the FedEx Cup still because, no offense to Xander Schauffele, who had a great rookie year, mm-hmm. he didn't deserve to win the FedEx Cup. That's what we all kind of thought. So and Even it, Justin Thomas made a, a comment of, it's right. weird to feel like I just lost yet I'm getting getting an award. Right, he's so getting the it, bigger it, award, too. Yeah, so um, it's not perfect. It, it, it is getting there. It's, it's the best we have at the moment. I, I think we'll eventually come to, come to a point where we're all happy with it, but you know, it, it's just not to the point of... If it's shooting to be like a fi- another major event, yeah. it's just not quite there yet. It's a, right. it's a nice distraction, right? Um, and I think actually people uh, are in, more into it than they were when it started, but right. it's yeah, it's by it's not a perfect system by any means. But it does have to be looked at as a different event altogether because mm-hmm. you know even with the guys care, obviously you get in based on your points, but then 
if you may, if you have a top 10 in any event, playoff event, FedEx Cup, you shoot way up the list. Or if you win one, I mean, you're you're automatically in the tour championship, obviously. You know, we saw Heath Slocum that one year move up <laughs> a million spots. So I think they changed it a little. But the point is, you could say, oh, well, they're counting the regular season. But they're really not. No. Because once you get to those points, you are getting so many more points for, for your finishes in the playoff events. And then once it comes down to the tour championship – Again, they they set it up so that multiple people, if they have one good week, can win. So if that's how it's going to be set up, you just have to look at it as an isolated series of events. And again, you know, it it's it doesn't get the same prestige um, as a major or anything like that. So so the guys who win the majors still can say they won the majors and the, you know the, and everything else. So again, you just have to look at it as something separate. Bernard Langer still had a historic, incredible year. Hats off to him. They, I guess they won't be doing those commercials next year of him waiting in the, the you know the ice machine. He's loading up his uh, his, his cup yeah, trophy those, those again. Are, those are tough. <laughs> what you didn't like uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince getting in there? Yeah, he was available. Who would have thought that? But <laughs> that's actually probably the most character we've seen out of Colin Montgomery. So in that sense, yeah. success. Yeah. So well, now we're gonna see a commercial next year of Kevin Sutherland and Bernard Langer sneaking up behind him and stealing it from him or something it's like that. It's not a bad idea. You should pitch that. Yeah. Should. I think you just did. Should go for it. Yeah. Um, all right. This is amazing how much we've talked about the PGA Tour champions. But again, like you said, that's great. It's great for. It's really great for the tour. If anything, um, let's move on to the PGA Tour quickly. We'll just talk about Patton Kazire winning his maiden uh, victory on the PGA Tour. He was the uh, 2015 Web.com Tour Player of the Year, so this is not totally out of the blue. He's had some decent success on tour. Um, had been struggling, but the previous two weeks, a couple great weeks, uh, top 10 at, at T4 in Vegas. So this wasn't that that uh, crazy, He but he, he beat Ricky Fowler over 36 holes on Sunday. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, and this is a tournament where it's usually favored veteran guys, and you know, Kazir is actually just kind of right hitting his prime. Um, he, he's someone who, like you mentioned, had success in, in the minors. So far, hasn't quite figured it out top. But what really impressed me was his putting coming down the stretch. This mm-hmm. is a guy who, really, since he's been up in the big leagues, has really struggled with the flat stick, and yet on the back nine or the, the final, yeah, the final nine on Sunday, he made I think three. 10-foot putts for, to save par. And, you know, this is a tournament where we usually hear birdie, birdie, birdie. So the fact that he was able to get it done by by scrambling, I think, is a real testament to the, what this guy's game's about. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this propels him, if, it, if it's a platform to some more success. Uh, but he's a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if he, he wins another couple times in the next few years. He, he definitely has the, the ability off the tee. It's, it's the short game that's killed him. But, um, you know, the OHL Classic, I, w- I will say the greens aren't the most – diabolical by any right. means but hopefully you know just a little bit of confidence is all sometimes it takes for these guys so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here yeah no he's putting great uh he, terrible year last year on the greens but he's currently 14th in strokes gain putting obviously made some birdie putts as well if he got to 19 under par uh it's usually a, a low score wins down there ricky fowler on the other hand i you know i know people get upset when you know anyone criticizes ricky fowler he, he's he's tremendously popular he's tremendously talented he's number seven in the world now um he's made over 30 million on course earnings but he turns 29 next month and you know people say oh that's still really young yeah but he has 197 starts on the pga tour and he has four wins and i think if you ask the average golf fan they would be stunned to know that he only has four wins 
He won the players. Obviously, that's his big win still. Mm-hmm. Four wins and 197 starts. And again, it's not like he played poorly on Sunday. He just seems to get passed by. He'll make one mistake early. He has these rallies like we saw at, Qu- at Quail Hollow. But it's kind of too little too late. I mean, I hate to say it. It's, it's just kind of um, there's something off there with him on Sundays where he lets other guys kind of pass him. Yeah, it's, you know, I think we recently saw this at the U.S. Open, right, where everyone thought this was Ricky's yeah, lose, and he didn't too. play bad. He didn't play no, bad. He it did just not kept play bad. played a little bit better. Right. Um, yeah, it, let's be honest, it wasn't that long ago where Fowler is being mentioned as one of the most overrated guys uh, on tour. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think anyone would claim that now, right. but um, if you look definitely at the strokes gained uh, across the board, he's one of the more talented all-around players. Um, in, in Fowler's defense, let's say he makes a, a nice charge there. A Sunday, Sunday Sterling comeback at the OHL Classic no. is not going to change that narrative. No, it's Unfortunately, not. this is going to stay with him until he wins a major. Uh, That's I, true. I, I do think um, it's a little overstated, but that being said, it's really hard to pinpoint to a spot where he's proved us wrong in that sense. Um, right. I, part of me says he's still young. You know, he's still 29. That being said, I tend to kind of look at him as I look at Tiger in the sense of it's not his age, it's how many times he's played, and Mm -hmm. the the human body only has so many swings in it. So, uh, yes, he's still young, but I don't know if he has the the same type of longevity that guys usually have because he had such an early success at at a young age. Um, Yeah, it's I wouldn't read too much into it, but hopefully in the next year or two we do see an example of him kind of coming from behind or making that Sunday statement. Well, he obviously came from behind that one – players win i mean that was spectacular uh but that's now been over two years and we're kind of waiting for that next spectacular performance by him you mentioned his stats i mean he had statistically by far his best season again you can't fake being number seven in the world either he's obviously getting the job done consistently playing very well putting himself in contention he's just not winning and you know i know the ohl classic's not that big a deal no offense to, to the ohl classic but when you look at a guy's career numbers at the end and you look at their win total, you know, the OHL classics add up. And when if he finishes his career with fewer than 20 wins, let's say, which, I mean, odds are he will at this point. That's 20 is a big number now. You look back and you say, wow, why, he, why didn't he win a little more? And it's because of weeks like this where he should have won. He was the best player in the field by far. He put himself in position. He had the lead. And he let Patton Kazire, you know, decent player, chase him down and beat him on the last day. It kind of goes into this mentality of, and you see a little bit with Jordan Spieth that, you know, Spieth is always usually, or not always, but he has so many wins at such a young age. He doesn't have as many top tens as you would think, and I think he has this more aggressive mm-hmm. mentality. Interesting. And that sometimes backfires where Fowler, you know, I hate to use the word conservative, but he's not mm-hmm. a guy who's always necessarily pin-seeking. and. Great. That, that kind of leads to this Matt Kuchar approach of a lot of top tens, a lot of good finishes. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, especially with how aggressive guys are across the board, that might be hampering him a little bit too from that win. Um, I know a few riders made the case back in, I hate to keep going back to Aaron Hills, but right. that, you know, Fowler's, they were kind of ripping Fowler for being happy yeah. with the finish. Right. Again, I think that's us being a little bit too hard on him. It is a U.S. Uh, yeah, Open condition. It, you, you know, it's there's only so many... Uh, you know, it's not like Fowler lost that by any means. Brooks Kepka had, you know, had one of the <laughs> best right. U.S. Open performances in recent memory. Um, but again, if you want to counter, 
he's not exactly a guy who's going to roll up seven or eight birdies in a round. So maybe that could be an approach he looks for in this offseason if he's looking to take that next step. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, he's always played Augusta National. or He has a, a decent track record at Augusta National. You know, he was right there until Sunday last year. So he's a guy who can uh, can go low on the biggest stages. It's now just can you finally do that breakthrough? Um, yeah. I think these next two years are real big for Fowler, and at least in terms of how we remember him. Yeah, no, definitely big. It's just it's just funny because, you know, two of his best friends are Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, and we know how great Jordan Spieth is from a couple years ago, his historic year, and I, I don't think anyone would compare Ricky Fowler to, to Jordan Spieth, obviously. He's on pace to be one of the all-time great players. But Justin Thomas, you know, was 23 last year, turned 24, you know, a few years younger than Ricky, didn't have nearly as much hype as Ricky Fowler. I mean, he had a lot of hype, don't get me wrong, but not as much hype. He won five times last year in 25 starts. He already has more wins in that one season than mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler, his older good friend who is the guy, you know, in four, five fewer seasons. That's kind of crazy. But very similar games, too. Yeah. That's the thing. If you yeah. like how they play. Uh, so, but I think it kind of goes to that aggressive approach. You I mean, yeah, he's, but, you know, last year, this time we were talking about, is, this, is Thomas ready for the breakout, especially after he goes back-to-back in Hawaii? He really had a, a bit of a slump there, though, he until he got to Aaron. And a lot of that has to do with, again, of I, I think he was pressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Fowler doesn't have that in him, which is good because it stays away the, these prolonged slumps. Unfortunately, the, the upshot is you might not have the the same type of urgency that you need to have n- nowadays to, to go low. So, like I said, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how 2018 plays out for Ricky Fowler. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's get to our picks quick. We're not going to spend a ton of time. It's the RSM Classic at Sea Island Resort. It is the final official PGA Tour event of the fall portion of the wraparound season. Uh, we've already had, obviously, a few events. We had the whole Asian swing and everything else, but we wrap it up kind of this week, at least until January, uh, officially. I mean, we're, going, we're not taking a deep dive on the Hero World Challenge. Well, we might do that, but again, it's not an official. Official, I hear, yeah. you know. And there's only 18 guys in there, so it's you know, it's not as much. This, I, this I, I like our, field. I like our uh, batting percentage though. If we're both making five picks, I think we could probably we could probably week. do pretty Two good. Weeks from now, excuse me. That, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, okay, and, and as long as neither of us pick Tiger Woods, probably. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah, whatever. You All know, right. you're picking them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. RSM Classic. Uh, first off, a little bit of news. Brant Snedeker coming back this week. First time in about five months he's played. He has a, a sternum joint injury, which I read is very rare for a golfer, more a, it's a football, football injury. injury. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sounds painful. It's. I mean, this is a guy, I think I saw him on PGATour.com, that he was struggling to even breathe after a couple Oof. of swings. He talked with our Tim Rosaford and mentioned he's still actually not even 100%, but he, you know, he also mentioned the comeback has to start somewhere. Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he plays, not only because he's coming back from injury, but he made some swing changes to try to address this injury, so it alleviates it. That worries me a bit because yeah. the one thing about Snecker, he was so consistent because of his swing. Um, great, great uh, short, play, uh, short game player as well, but, man, making your first – First comeback after an injury like this with a new swing, I, I he's had success here at at Sea Island, but I, I would stay away from him this week. But it's good to at least see him back. It's back good to see him back, and you know it's kind of sad because he's had a couple of the hottest stretches in recent years, and mm-hmm. every time he seems to get hot, he gets an injury. He's had the wrist injuries, I think, really more than than this chest injury, um, and it's really cooled him off obviously i mean he still usually makes the you know the Ryder cup team and the president's cup team he's, he's one of those like top guys but he'd climbed in the top five in the world 
um, at one point or maybe even a couple times. So he was really one of the best players out there. You mentioned the putting is just incredible, obviously. But I mean, yeah, for yeah, it's not maybe the last couple of years in this case, but for a while there, he was a guy who everyone looked at. Man, that he would be the perfect guy for Augusta National. It seems like mm-hmm, he was for mm-hmm. so many, him and Kuchar. Right. Well, like and we're he always had two, in that conversation. two really close calls there. I mean, or at least close heading into Sunday. And even that the one I think about Snecker that round a couple of years ago at, at Torrey Pines in those rough conditions, oh. like there are very yep. few guys who could pull that off. Yep. And I think that really speaks to the, the type of game Snecker has when he's when he's on fire. Yep. So. Um, and then, he's he is positive though he he does yep. seem like you know he, he's very confident these swing changes will work out and he, he thinks his injuries behind him all right so that being said i guess neither of us are picking him uh joel <laughs> i'll let you uh make the first pick uh go ahead well if you've looked at what's facilitated past success here at the at the rsm it's really getting it done around the greens last year's winner mackenzie hughes he, he paced the field and strokes gained around the green average, and he ranked third in strokes gained putting. So if, I think if you're looking at winners, you got to look at guys who get it done, done on the dance floors. And for me, that's Ollie Snyder Johns, um, you know, coming off a really solid rookie campaign. Because he's done a lot so far this fall, um, but uh, played well here in, in his debut in uh, 2016. A very good, solid all around game. Snyder Johns is a guy who is actually a pretty good price tag in most daily fantasy leagues. So I, I think he's someone who is being under, under the radar coming in that needs to be in your lineup. All right. Well, we obviously didn't compare our notes here because I'm going with Ali Schneider-Johns, too. Uh, maybe it's a little of our Masters of None team bias, our, our keeper, our potential keeper, that is, for next season. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot to like with this guy, obviously, um, and he's rolled over after a very successful rookie season into a nice uh, start to the sophomore campaign, three consecutive top 20s, uh, sorry, top 25s, uh, t six. In his Sea Island debut last year, you know he won't have the hat on, and the, the hair will be flopping around in the breeze down there in Georgia. I, I I see him having another high finish. Now, since I picked the same guy that you did, I'll, I'll make the next pick. And again, I'm going to go back to the well here with a guy who I've uh, been riding a lot, and uh, to you know he's been doing very well for me, and that's Charles Howell third. Uh, picked him last week, you know, penciled him him in for another. Top 20, he did a lot better than that. A little T4 down in Mexico. Um, in this event, he already has three top 10s plus a T13 and seven tries. So uh, just one of the more consistent guys out there, especially obviously in this fall portion and in the early season uh, on the West Coast swing. CH3 is a guy that you, you really need to to look at. And for whatever reason, he always seems to get undervalued. I mean, I know the reason. He never you know, wins, Yeah, that's a but, very clear reason but why he, he's gonna he's going to – Post high finishes for you and uh, and uh, you know ring the register. I mean, you're never gonna hear me make a counter against Chucky three six. Yeah, so I, it's it's one day it, he's gonna break through though again, and it's gonna be fantastic. Everyone around golf will give hugs. It'll be yeah. like the end of World War Two, <laughs> like it finally happened. <laughs> All right, so those are my first two guys. Back to you. Guy really jumps off the page for me is Brian Harmon. Uh, if you look at what he did last year around the greens, he was just on fire, arguably with the best putter on tour. Uh, finished first in total putting and fifth in strokes game putting. Uh, averages are a little skewed in the early season, but he, he's played really well um, coming out of the gate. Had, had a T5 at the CJ Cup and then uh, top 10 at, at the HSBC as well. Um, missed the cut here last year, but he does have a top 10 in, in a previous appearance. Um, you know, uh, When we think of Harmon, we think of that, that U.S. Open run uh, at Aaron Hills, but really just had a good year all the way around 2017 with seven top 10s and 14 top 25. So Harmon's another guy who's just a really sound pick that I think really is worth a look. Yeah, I mean, there was a point last year where he was 
really, I mean, obviously he almost won the U.S. Open. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was becoming a star. He cooled down a little. Yeah, he hit a little bit of a wall yeah. come, come August because I think that he was a guy who, for a while, people thought would be a shoe into the President's Cup. Right, um, and right. really just kind of fell off the radar. Um, I think a little bit has to do, again, just kind of ran out of gas, had the guy who's not necessarily used to be in that position. So, um, yeah. But, you know, still in the prime of his career, he's figuring things out. And, yep. again, so far uh, the bricks helped, and he's come out firing this fall. And another, yeah, Georgia guy, obviously. Um, Webb Simpson, my next pick. Let me down a little when I picked him uh, for Vegas. Now, he did finish T20, so th- that just shows you the kind of level of consistency that – Webb's been bringing to the table. A T20 now is a bad result for him. I mean, he finishes in the top 20 every week, it seems. So he's back to, uh, you know, he's kind of a a poor man's Matt Kuchar uh, in terms of just being an, an ATM machine out there. But, um, you know, really like him this week. 20 career rounds at Sea Island. Nothing worse than a 71. Uh, so he, he just plays these both these courses really well down there. He lost in a playoff in 2011. Uh Again, you know, you just pencil him in for for a top twenty basically every week, and uh, especially at the, at this venue. You call him a poor man's Matt Kuchar when he has a U.S. Open title. Oh, that's wow, that is harsh. You're right, that's harsh. I and think. I love and I love Kuch. Yeah, but I'm just saying. You're right. I think I think I think you're, I think you're not giving Webb Simpson enough credit. Who really had a no. really strong comeback year last year. Yeah. Well, you know, I I agree with you there. Where I'll say I don't agree is that. Webb really had the, what, one, two really good years and then a bounce back last year, whereas mm-hmm. Kuchar, Kuchar at least has had five, six, seven really solid years of that level. But you're right. It's One guy no, has a major, uh, no, so if I just, one guy has a major, and one guy on sitting on his mantle plays, and, and one guy... If I not. look like it just phased out, it's uh, I'm starting to see the parallels, you know, if, if we're talking to a guy who has a player championship but is... You know, hasn't won as much as we think. Matt Kuchar and Ricky Fowler. That's something that look at the, it'd be a good numbers comparison. That if you spoke them in the same breath, you'd be laughed out of the room. But I, I'd would. like I'd like to see a nice numbers comparison because another guy who racks up a lot of top tens without really getting it done in terms of the winner circle. So you know, that's a funny you say that though because someone else brought up um, uh, who was it? Josh Carpenter of Sports Business Daily Journal. He brought up Sergio Garcia comparison to Ricky Fowler. And I was like, well, Sergio won a lot more when he was younger. And that's true. I looked it up. Sergio had six wins by the time he was 25 on tour. But then whew, he really cooled off. What does he What does he have now? 12, maybe, PG-12? Now he's won a lot in Europe. Yeah, it's not counting the, what, 18 times in But he's also been a pro for 20 years now. He has. So, 30 titles, though. That's that's. That's a pretty. It's a lot. Well, yes, it's a lot. Um, I think though some of them overlap. A few might overlap, but it's it's I don't know if he has thirty. I think he has like twenty. Maybe maybe yeah, maybe I'm thinking yeah. it's eighteen total. So it's about one a yeah. year. Fowler has what one in Korea or something. So you know what I mean. It, it's it's not as crazy of a comparison as you think. The bright side for Ricky obviously is Sergio finally won a major. It took him a lot longer, but you do have a long time to get it done. And if you do win that one major. Everyone just forgets about everything yeah. else, and you're a major champ. So I mean, look at look at Phil Mickelson. This is the guy who right. had that till 34. Right, Fowler still has five years, so he can get to that. Right, point. right, exactly. So anyway, we're, while we're talking comparisons, um, I lost my point. I, I I I guess I'm up. I'll go with my fourth guy. Another major champ, two time major champ, in fact, Zach Johnson, one of the famed, infamous Sea Island Mafia, uh, <laughs> who we saw on full display in Mexico rocking those robes 
watching Ricky Fowler from the rooftop. Yeah, that talk was, about a sight you can't unsee. That was pretty funny. I got to give them credit. They had a lot of time on their hands, obviously, and they had great uh, rooms right there on top of the, the 18th hole, I guess. But, you know, Zach Johnson, he was having a terrible year in 2017, and he really turned it around in the summer. He had a runner-up at the Bridgestone. He had a nice finish at the Open. You know, a couple decent finishes down the stretch he's rolled that over into this year a couple uh top 25s to start the season and uh you know again this is it's it's actually pretty amazing he has not played well at this event which is basically a home game for him he comes back here after the season he he regroups and everything but you'd think before he kind of shuts it down he would he would give this tournament one more one more good go but he has not played well here uh two missed cuts in the past three years no top tens in seven starts i think he's due though um, I also think that he is looking at that world ranking, official world golf ranking. He is number 48 right now, and staying inside the top 50 by year's end is a huge bonus for these guys. So I think he's motivated to have at least one more good week this year um, and and you know stay inside that top 50. He's also healthy for the first time in quite some time. He really battled some injury issues there in 2016. It sounds like from the people around him, it wasn't he wasn't a totally 100% either for most of this year. Um, he did really pick up his driving distance. Now, he was one of the shorter guys on tour, but uh, he's gained a little bit more power this year, uh, Saintsman, given his age. So, yeah, I'm with you. It, I think with him, there's so many external activities that kind of command his time and presence this week. It, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of get that under control and really focus on the golf. Um, it's definitely a, a strong pick, especially since we talk about uh, the importance of the short game this weekend. Man, you, very few guys better than, than Zach Johnson when it, when it comes to that. All right, do you have one final pick? I had pick? two picks. You actually two? went. Oh, I yeah. jumped you again. You jumped wow. me. You, you, we were on our, our Ricky Fowler, Matt, Matt Kuchar yeah. pass, so it's understandable. <laughs> uh, two guys for me are Patrick Rogers, who really played well last week, uh, You know, was leading uh, coming into that Sunday 36-hole marathon. Even that third round, he played okay. It's just that he opened up with a double, I think finished with a double, was to finish with a 71 or 72, which you know really dropped him back after uh, Kazir shot, I think, 66 on that Saturday or that uh, third round. Um, but he's played well here before, um, ten, top 10 last year, and he made a kind of another appearance. Uh, a guy who really, if you're looking for, for someone to kind of take that next step next year, I think Rogers is a really good candidate to kind of go from that rank-and-file guy to maybe in the top 25, top 30. Um, nothing crazy necessarily that pops out of his game. He, he, he's just sound in all facets, and that's something that really plays well here at Sea Island. So Rogers is the third guy. My fourth, you know, it's, it's the last podcast of the season. Got to make a wild card pick. I'm going Braden Thornberry, you know, the college kid who played really well last year and in a few limited appearances. Really nothing to back it up in the sense that I've seen the guy a few times. I love his game. Um, he's more of a power guy than a short short game, but, I mean, let's be honest, power plays at most courses. So I um, had the T4 at, at the FedEx last year, and then I uh, had a cut at the Green Bar, but I actually played pretty well at the Green Bar mm. for the most part. So I think Thornberry is a guy. I think it'll be interesting to see what how he does this week. And didn't he uh, hit the field goal with the ball at the halftime of the game? Yeah, he, that showed some power. Right? It's, yeah. You know, yeah. we're hearing that over. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's really what I have. It's just uh, he's the guy that really intrigues me this week. And again, he, he's he's actually not even available on a few of the sites. But if he's available in your league, pick him up. I think he's worth the wild there card you go. pick. Deep sleepers there from Joel Beal. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening both this week and all year, really, I think this this will be our, our last one of the year, uh, unless we do a you know a little hero, a hero. We have to uh, do something for the challenge. hero, right? We'll do something, but it won't be as official maybe as this. So we'll 
we'll, we'll, we'll be back soon. But thank you for everybody to listening. Thanks to our producer, Brittany. Thanks to Joel for usually being here. Uh, if we, you know, unless he was getting married or, you know, on a honeymoon or stuff like that. The hot list took me away hot for list, like six weeks. From that this, stuff so that, too. That right, right. So thank, thanks to everyone involved all year uh, for listening. Please subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't done so already. And we will be back at some point. We just don't know exactly when.